0: Welcome back to Literally Literary. If this is your first time joining us, be sure to check out our previous episodes. This episode, we will continue our discussion on Citizen Illegal by Jose Olivares for National Poetry Month. Last episode, we discussed the third section of the collection and its major themes. This episode, we will discuss the last two sections of the collection, and we are joined this week by EPCC student and English major, Alejandra Flores.
1: Hello. Welcome. Hey, um... Thank you.
2: Yeah. It's nice to have you on, on board. And, um, you know, uh, as we were saying uh, before the show, we wanted to just get your thoughts on, um, on uh, how Citizen Illegal was, how you felt it was, you know, in, in the Chicano studies class that you were taking with uh, Rich Llanes, who's a good friend and colleague of ours.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, it's been a unexpected experience for me. I really wasn't expecting to like the class to begin with. I was never really interested in Chicano literature, per se. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, Mm -hmm. But once I started the class, um, I really started enjoying it. And I think a big part of it is uh, due to Professor Yanez. He's very good at engaging the students and and allowing us to participate in the class. and then once I started actually reading the the books that were part of the curriculum for the class, mm-hmm. I um, started realizing just how interesting and important all this is, especially mm-hmm. being, you know, I'm Mexican-American, so it's um, a big part of my culture. And, and I never really bothered thinking about things like this. But, um, yeah, like I said, once we started reading the books and, and, and we really started getting into the literature, I realized just how good quality authors we have and, and some of them local and, and they create, um, a big impact in, in who we are, especially living here in the border, you know, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. You know, uh, Rich is, is, a well, Professor is as, as you called him, you know, <laughs> is a great spokesperson for uh, Chicanos and, um. The X movement and uh, Basos as well. You know, uh, shout out to them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know, I'm glad that it kind of has worked out to have you here. Uh, we wanted to kind of get someone who's in the classroom and uh, in the virtual classroom now, but uh, you know, who's been learning about this book through the classroom. And uh, so as we had said, and as Vanessa had mentioned, you know, we're looking at the last two sections. And right. My uh, Vanessa is at UTEP, so she's an English major there. And then Rishi here, my colleague, is um, uh, here with me at EPCC. Uh, so, um, you know, we've, we've interviewed Jose uh, a couple of episodes ago, and now it's just, uh, you know, the last two sections. And so each of us was going to do like a poem or two, looking at section for, uh, I think, Vanessa, did you have, a, you said you had Mexican heaven? I
0: do, yes. Um, so this one's actually another one of my favorites, just because it's only food, um, which is a big <laughs> theme that we talk about here on the podcast. Um, I don't know. I think it just shows, like, all of the different foods that we enjoy, and part of it, like, the, it kind of represents, like, our idea of heaven.
1: I
3: think, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially those
1: tacos, mm, yes. right?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I like the alliteration there too in the first line. You yeah. know, tacos, tamales, tostadas, tortas. Yeah, I, I
3: was gonna say mm-hmm. um, this as as delicious as this poem looks. You know, reading it. I also think it it's delicious in the way it sounds. Um, and that's you know I always I always like to call attention to the music and the language mm-hmm. and so right you mentioned the alliteration you have a, a lot of uh elements of prosody in here and i think that it's it's worth reading the, po- the poem out loud to hear the the words leave your your tongue and your mouth and i think um yeah food is culture so i think it's also a great opening to this section right because there's a lot of uh poems that allude to food to eating and and this connection to love
1: mm. yeah yes I don't know, but if I say uh, it out loud, it'll make my yeah. mouth water. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and I think that's the point, you know? <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. Um, and it's also a good example of variety. You know, there's a lot of variety in Mexican food mm-hmm. that I don't think you necessarily see with American culture. Uh, so so there's uh, a lot of things represented here in terms of like the drinks and the uh, different uh, soups. You know, menudo pozole, mm-hmm. and the different sandwiches. You know, and so I, I think that's kind of shows. Um, you know, just that the the list could go on. You know, it's just three stanzas. I mean, three lines. But you know, there's a lot more of that, but this is just kind of a taste of it,
1: mm-hmm. right? And even in in just and three in relation, lines, it's it encloses so much already.
2: Yeah. No. Yeah. And I was gonna say that, like, in contrast to the other ones. You know, I I think it might be the shortest one, or at least like tied with the other sh- ones in terms of how short it is, but it does draw like a sharp contrast with the other Mexican heavens that are more like, like, um, about, you know, people, this is all just food, you know, there's no actual right. people in this one. Except there's
3: no, no food without people, right? <laughs> 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 I mean, I guess there technically is in the wild, but, you know, the, the recipes that we create, you know, when I, when I, when I say uh, food yeah, is culture, it's, it's like the recipes we create, the ways in which we create ensembles and tastes and, and for palates and um, the stories that go behind the foods as well.
1: Yeah.
3: For sure. Alec, do you remember talking about this
2: one in class uh, with uh, Professor Janitz?
1: Unfortunately, we didn't get this far. Um, in class uh we had just started discussing it when right before spring break um Mm -hmm. so we didn't get this far i just kept reading the book on my own because i found it very interesting um Mm -hmm. i do have to confess that at first i had a a hard time reading it um i was looking at it more i had we had been reading um drink cultura that was the first book we read and it's essays Mm -hmm. so I had been looking at this book with that mentality when, you know, the mm-hmm. essay type of reading, and mm-hmm. this is more poetry. So when I started reading mm-hmm. it, it was a little hard for me with the first uh, few poems. And then I, I mm. started discussing this with um, Professor Yanez and he was like, Oh, you're looking at it wrong. You know, um, go look at his YouTube page and stuff. And I started researching. Um, yeah, And then I just couldn't put the book down after that. Um, But no, we didn't get this far. It was... um,
3: What what changed? Unfortunately. What changed for you?
1: Um, I think reading them out loud helped a lot. Um,
3: Mm.
1: um, Especially because the first few poems the punctuation is not um <laughs> what I'm used to um mm-hmm. but then I started reading them out loud and it, it started uh, making more sense and then I started making connections mm-hmm. just to my history my my culture and the things I grew up with and everything and, and that's when like something sparked and it just clicked it made
2: sense mm. right on that's awesome Vanessa did you have the the next one too or are you Richie? Uh I remember you guys mentioned this one in the pre-show, the yeah, you get I did. fat when you're I mean, in love. I
3: really liked it. Did uh did you have it too, Vanessa? Or? Um
0: well you mentioned you were gonna talk about it, so I was just gonna like jump in. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean, yeah, so one thing I really appreciate about Jose, you know, is we we've talked about it before is um there's a lightheartedness too, you know, in the humor. And I just think you know you get these awesome titled poems like you get fat when you're in love. And uh, what's what's more human to, to relate through art? You know, I know, I know. Uh, we talk about this a lot in, in literature, and, and, and when we look at art, is that once it's out in the world, you know, it, it's now the audiences. And so, I, I can relate to this. I, I just think it's a it's a pretty interesting way of talking about love, relationships, essentially. Mm-hmm. When someone gets in a relationship, they I, I think you get a little more comfortable, you know, and you get. Love is, is, is food, it's eating, it's, it's enjoying yourself. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's kind of a way of talking about heartbreak. You know, um, A lot of something that we've, we've talked a lot about already in previous episodes is the way uh, Jose can take, make a turn in a poem, a shift. You know? And then, of course, here the shift is, is getting your heart broken. And I like the way he bridges it, he connects it with this concept of, you know, when you're skinny, everyone rushes to compliment you what's your secret? What's your secret? You know, nobody ever thinks any, any other possibility. And, uh, you know, it's pretty heavy with that, that nail in the coffin of call it the broke heart diet. Love left you. Then you left you and all you have is this disappearing body. Um, I I can relate to this. You know, I've been in a a very comfortable relationship where, you know, maybe it's a little too comfortable. Like we never did much except just stay at home and need to be comfortable. And that was nice. But when that ended, uh, I, I can relate to the idea of love left you, then you left you. It's just trying to like refigure who you are. And, uh, uh, you know, depression hits in so many different ways. Um, so I, I just thought it was a, a nice kind of break in this, in this collection where a lot of it's like political and about, you know, identity with ethnicity and race. And so on. I just this one felt human in, a, in another way. Know dealing mm-hmm. with with lost love and, and and the connection to food and and changing body sizes. So that's what I thought. It's universal. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You, I don't know what you guys think about this one.
0: I like the last line of the first stanza where it says, um, "You make music with this love, carry your song." And this idea of like, this music is like your happiness, and then at the end, it's like the sadness. So I like that contrast of it all.
3: Hmm. Ale, did you think anything about this one? Or?
1: Yeah. Um, when I first read it, I thought, first of all, I thought it was funny um, hey. because it was so um, true and, and relatable. Um, and then I looked into it and, yeah, there were some parts of it that called out to me. Um, like that that last line that, that Vanessa mentioned, you make music with this love, um, carry yourself like a song. That... Um, Really spoke to me. My, my husband is a musician, so it just really touched home. But the part you said also, when you get skinny, everyone rushes to compliment you. Um, I was thinking of maybe my family's a little different, but in my family, when we get skinny, we're like, what's wrong? What happened? Are you okay? Are you sick? Mm-hmm. What is something bothering you? Um, and it's just the way we are, you know, we worry about each other. But then the people outside Mm -hmm. that don't really know want to know your secret. They want to know what your secret is. And sometimes it's just out of being nosy. Mm, (laughs) Not so much (laughs) as, you know, worrying. Oh, yeah. You
3: know, I'm really glad you mentioned that because there are several other poems in in the previous sections where... You know, it's, it's it's exactly that. It's like people's outside perceptions, you know, and a lot of it is there's a fakeness to it. I, I, I use that term. I don't, I don't really like it that much, but, you know, we've we, it comes up in several other poems. And so I, I would I would agree with that assessment there.
1: Mm-hmm. It was good. I liked it. I thought it was funny. It was real. It was a little bit of everything, and it just calls your attention.
3: Cool. Yeah, thank you. And
2: uh, I, I like the form, too. You know, it kind of, it's, it's a poem that, Physically, also, it starts off a little, you know, a little too much on the sides Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know. And then, um, and it kind of just gets trimmed down as the stanzas kind of become themselves, you know, with that broken heart disease or whatever, you know. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I think it's an interesting contrast or maybe kind of fits, you know, well with this kind of Mexican heaven, you know, Mm -hmm. as a pair because it kind of showing, you know, it's, it's some love, just like food is all consuming. And, uh, you know, so they go hand in hand, just like you were saying, Richie. And so it's kind of um, the food itself, you know, is love. It's it's like you were saying, it's part of your culture, but it's also like making it yeah, eat, consuming it, appreciating it, you know, that, that in itself is a form of love, you know? So I don't think it even has to be, another person you know i think it could just be like you just i like me you know i love mexican food you know uh, that that'll be the, the hill i'm winning to die on for it you know and uh so even that in and of itself could make you you know like i think uh fall in love with with uh, eating it, even if we know, you know, yeah. it's I mean, very greasy and all that. I mean, that, it also,
3: you know? it's kind of an extension or a reflection of uh, I tried to be a good Mexican son from Section 3, where, uh, you know, talking about the love, even though he's he's struggling with, like, trying to be the good Mexican son, mm-hmm. in the end, his mom still feeds him the, the frijoles, mm-hmm. right? And she's, she has it; <laughs> she has the pot ready for him. <laughs> right? Another
2: yeah, thing
1: it ahead. made me think of was uh, the saying... The stomach is the way to a man's heart. Maybe that's why we gain weight <laughs> when we're in love.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and I was gonna say what you said about the the how people actually get worried when you you look like uh, like you yeah. haven't eaten much, uh, and that kind of reminds me of uh, Julia and um, when she goes to Mexico in in the I'm not your perfect Mexican daughter, which I remember you said that you guys were gonna right. read. We just started um, that one. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a scene that reminded me of that. But uh, Did any of you have, if anything, is missing?
0: Um, I wanted to touch on this one a little bit because I feel like it goes back into all of the other themes that are mentioned previously in the collection. Um, yeah. The, this whole idea of, like, struggling with these two identities that you feel like you have rather than combining the two and embracing both of them, it's this idea. Of well, mm-hmm. which one am I really? Um, so there's a couple mm-hmm. of lines that I wanted to mention um, towards the big. Be- oh,
2: and just and sorry, sorry. Just to be clear, could you give the whole title oh. just in case yes. uh, a reader yes. doesn't so have this one the, is, the book?
0: If anything is missing, yeah. then it's nothing big enough to remember. So Thank it you. starts off with mentioning um, the birthplace mm-hmm. of his parents and his birthplace, and then it says, "You are here and here." Which kind of is. The way of saying, his way of saying that he's in both places. Um, and then it goes on to say, you are born both places. Celebration cigar is here and here. So again, it's like this re- reiteration of he's in both places and hasn't quite figured out how to combine the two because he has both of these. And then it says, the countries go to war. And it's hard to remember you are loved by both sides or any sides. And it's again... Idea of like who am I? I think.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that analysis about the struggle. You know that, like you mentioned, I think I think you mentioned that, like it, it's like what we seen mm-hmm. in, in his other poems. Um, and to me, the line that stuck, well, lines that stuck out to me the most were about the Rio Grande. Mm-hmm. You know, there is no Rio Grande like here; you are safe and whole, and there is no Rio Grande splitting you. And uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, of course, the Grande is, is right here with us. And uh, it's something that does divide along right. with the wall, you know, but it's kind of the idea of how there's harmony, you know, when like there's celebration, there's tortillas and tacos and <laughs> yeah. stuff.
1: Takes you back. I Like when I read The Kitchen is Hot with Tortillas and Tacos here, I started thinking of like birthday parties or Sunday afternoon get-togethers and, and you know, the tia's cooking in the kitchen, all the kids playing outside and, you know, the dad's drinking a couple of beers and just takes you back. Yeah. And then another line um, right below that is when it says, one day you wake up and the voice in your head speaks English. That to me was the most powerful line of this poem because for me, Mm -hmm. uh, my first language is Spanish. I didn't grow up speaking English. and. I realized one day, you know, when my tia, my tíos were telling me words in Spanish that I couldn't understand, that my thoughts had shifted. My, my mind was thinking in mm-hmm. a different language. And I was little when I started speaking English. I was, I think, like in fourth, fifth grade. Um, but back then, I couldn't understand it all. And now, if I want to make something coherent or for it to make sense, I have to think of it first in English and then I can, I have to translate it and then I can say it. It's mm-hmm. before you know it, you know, it's, it changes. Something inside you changes.
3: Yeah. There's definitely uh, the line that, that really hit me was like, uh, this section is filled with love. It's also filled with music. And in the poem before he, that he ends with like this idea of, of a guitar strings. So when the wind blows, we can follow the music home. It's kind of like this last line. It's very musical. And, and so in this poem that we're talking about, if anything is missing, the last line to me is, is this kind of guitar string chord as well. That's kind of reflecting this whole Chicano I- identity of this, this idea of getting your education and, and moving forward. This is what he's talking about here at the end. And this line here of, um, it's hard to tell what you lost, what you kept and what the price really was. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a good kind of, uh, it's kind of a reflection of the confusion of trying to reconcile those multiple identities mm-hmm. when you're.
2: It, it's kind of tragic, you know, like what you all were saying, uh, like you, Ale, about how you resonated or connected with that line about speaking in English all of a sudden and forgetting your mother tongue, and you, Vanessa, about like juggling, you know different cultures mm-hmm. and identities and, and in the poem, you know, that second half of the poem, it kind of like, if you now looking at it again, you know, in your old context, it does make it tragic, you know, that like you're happy to be so American now, as it says, you must be so happy. I mean, to me, I kind of read that sarcastically, you know, because you you do gain the American dream, like you graduate, you know, but I, we've seen that in other poems with like his brother and uh like you lose like the memory of your grandparents, your mm-hmm. t- your own tongue, you know, old photos fade down. So there's a, a certain melancholy and loss that just like you were saying, Richie, in that last line kind of makes it all, he makes you realize, well, what mm-hmm. did I sell out, you know, or I mean, it's kind of interesting that you all are in a Chicano class because I'm sure you guys are talking about, have talked about like, you know what does it mean to preserve your culture you know in your roots
1: yeah it's uh it's hard um you know once you submerge yourself in, in a new culture which is what my family did when we came here um it was hard to not embrace and even learn to like and love parts of of who you become of of the things that are surrounding you uh but there's that part of you that long for the way things were and, and I mean it's inevitable. It things that will continue to change constantly, but there's always that inner battle, you know, between who you are, who you're becoming and who you will end up
2: being. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, well said. For sure. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh well next up, I don't know if any of you had um well I know you Vanessa probably had the, the other Mexican heaven but, you know, uh, I like Apthia, that one
3: for its imagery. Um, you know, if I were, to, if I were teaching a, a poetry yeah. class, which I do from time to time, you know, I'd, I'd like this one for, for the images he creates. Um, and so, sleep apnea, of course, is a, is a pretty serious kind of sleep disorder. I think he, you know, just by talking about it, I think brings up some interesting cultural things as well. When you have sleep apnea, you don't, you don't, you feel like you don't get that much rest. You know, like even if you sleep, you wake up feeling tired. And, and that's what he's kind of talking about here. Um, and and how even then uh, going back to this kind of comment on society of how colleagues compliment the grind, you know, like oh, you know, we're working hard, you're, and like I I relate to that so much in the yeah. sense of uh you know I I, I get into yeah. so many things and events and you know sleep becomes this hard thing and so <laughs> I've heard I've heard it I've heard that <laughs> you know like yeah you're working so hard keep at it keep at it and it just well, mm-hmm. again there's there's maybe a little bit more to it yeah. than that. But I, again, just, I just want to briefly point out, I, I really love some of the images he creates here. Uh, the moon tries to escape my mouth. stars glitter my tongue. A lemon wedge of night sky under each eye. And then the way he carries the, the evening behind him like a black velvet cape thick enough to swim in, to sleep under. If I were teaching it, you know, imagery, I'd definitely show people this, this poem.
1: Mm-hmm. I just thought it was so funny how he ended it. I literally laughed out loud when i read it when the i have a medical condition the doctor tells me sleep apnea i say yes i am the son of immigrants but what does that have to do with sleep
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) that that was so funny yeah i mean what you mentioned richie kind of aligns with what she's you know Alice saying about the grind because you know with immigrant culture and immigrants and mexican culture like hard work is kind of what you do you know like i remember Jose mentioned his parents were, you know, there's a lot of hand labor and, um, you know, here in that Basso, of course, like a lot of essential uh, workers, there's right? a lot of that. And, um, yeah, you know, that it kind of becomes a, a, a luxury to be able to know that, well, this is a, this is a condition. Wow. Yeah.
3: That's a, that's just a really quick brief thoughts on, on that one.
2: Cool. Uh, well, next one I think is, um, so second to last Mexican heaven. Vanessa, what did you think about this one? I like
0: this this one one? as well. Well, I like all of Mexican heaven, but um, this—it's kind of goes back into the whole, uh, not illusions, but the way that he makes these religious figures be actual people that we deal with in our everyday lives. Yeah. I think it's interesting that he mentions Jesus is actually Jesus and this idea of having the tattoo. (laughs) um, I think it's our culture, I think. It's something that many kids do, is they get, like, tattoos of their moms. And so I think that that's interesting that there's something kind of played mm-hmm. into as well.
3: Interesting. Mm. Yeah, I like that.
2: Good draw out there.
3: <laughs> <Thank> yeah. <you.
2: laughs> yeah. I think also the, the veneration there for La Virgen, you know, that Mexican culture. We, I think we've talked about this before, that, you know, Virgen de Guadalupe is is kind of uh exalted. Uh mm-hmm. And so it's it's Jesus, right? Jesus, but... He himself is kind of still worshiping, you know, him, right? And so,
3: yeah, hey, mom is mom. <laughs> yeah, on a, on an like on an artificial level, right. it made me think of that that meme where it's like a family praying at the table and they say thank you Jesus for this food, and then there's an image of a of a farm worker who says denada or, or 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 just shows a, a, a man oh, right? working in the field. <laughs> that that was like the like, artificial kind of. Yeah. reading but mm-hmm. another another sense though um it just kind of makes me think this this idea of of uh, jesus uh being reincarnated every day and no one on earth cares all that much it just kind of maybe i think of some other religious hypocrisy you see where you know they say if jesus were alive today the ones that they they you know we read about and and worship would not really accept his ideas i don't know if you guys have seen that or heard heard those kind of comments
1: yeah yeah so i also though. Thought of with that line, turns out he gets reincarnated every day, and no one on Earth cares all that much. I was thinking of um, all the people that are poor, that are sick, that are that are in in need of you, and because they say you know, like mm-hmm. Jesus comes to you in the form of the beggar oh. or whatever, uh, but no one cares all that much. So right. we tend to just ignore them and push them aside. We're so busy with our own lives that we don't see the goodness in, in other people not necessarily through jesus you know or religion but just goodness mm.
2: in people yeah i mean it's it's one mm. of the parables isn't it Ali, where he says you know someone is like there's a flood or something and like someone comes he, he comes yeah. through other people but the person doesn't want to get off the boat because they're just waiting right. yeah god they to keep rescue saying them. Oh,
1: god is going to help me god is going to help me and then you know this person dies goes to heaven and and he or she is like, well, what happened? I thought you were going to help me. And God is like, well, I sent you a boat. I sent you a, a helicopter or whatever, you know, um, and, and you
2: yeah. kept pushing it aside. So yeah. we tend to
1: not see it. We don't, we have this idea of how specific it should be. And we don't see beyond that.
2: Right. There, there's a, fam- uh, like a well-known uh, drawing of um, mm. Jesus and Maria as like immigrants that like they're on a payphone. phone. Uh, you guys have probably seen it, but. Um, it reminds me of that, too, you know, that no one notices if, like, would someone notice, like, if Jesus and Maria, like, come back mm. as, like, immigrants and they're coming across the border, you know, like, they, w- they would probably be put in a cage just like, you know, this administration yeah. is doing to yeah, There were a few churches that called it out by,
3: by putting their manger, yeah. right? They're set up in oh, cages. Yeah. yeah, That's yeah, a lot to draw out from the, these little poems, huh?
1: <laughs> I think that's what yeah. I like about Jose. He's, <laughs> uh... He doesn't have to write lengthy poems to say a lot. I mean, just this little yeah. poem, you can dig into it and, and spend hours, you know, analyzing it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's also the, the humor in it, you know, that just like <laughs> with the one about, like, there's some white people in heaven. <laughs> you know, I think I remember him reading this one live and or like on YouTube. And, you know, it's pretty <laughs> funny the way that he delivers it to Cause you know, you, you think that, well, it's Jesus and like, you know, but it just turns out to be <laughs> your cousin, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. So the next one uh, I wanted to talk <laughs> about, but of course, you know, what, b- baboru, uh not baburú you know, is uh, another of those Mexican staples, just like the food that we talked about. Uh, you know, I grew up with it as a kid and, I'm sure a lot of you did and you listeners out there as well. Um, but if you didn't, you know, it's kind of just like it is described here. Like it isn't just for like cough suppression, but, you know, pretty much, you know, in Mexican culture, that's like the the medicine, you know, like <laughs> capital T. And um, <laughs> but I, I like here, you know, just like Jose always does very skillfully. I like how he turns it into um, a like um, something that goes beyond just medicine. You know, where he says, put some vaporu on your forehead and watch forgiveness flush your cheeks. Put some vaporu on your bank account and watch the bill collector stop calling. When I forget a word in Spanish, take a teaspoon of vaporu under the table. i try that. <laughs> you know, which is what, we'll, right? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's funny, you know, cause it's just what we were talking about forgetting getting mm-hmm. Spanish forgetting getting your roots. And, uh, uh, I like also how he kind of throws in the, the pronunciation, mm-hmm. you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know with you, Ale, like, you know, I know you have Abby and I don't know if it's, coming I, have handy,
1: a, I have a bottle at home. Yeah. <laughs> I try to always have one. You never know when, yeah. when you can use it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, this, this one was funny to me. Um, it was um it was just so funny when, when he said Miss a Day at church put some vapor rub vaporu on your forehead. It that was just hilarious how we can use it for everything. And um I remember seeing a meme recently with the pandemic going on that said something like, you know, Mexico's got this. They have Sprite, Sprite and Vaporu. <laughs> <laughs> so you know they have the <laughs>
2: Oh, right.
0: <laughs> I saw, yeah. well, I
1: not recently, another one where it's
0: like um, Mexicans always solve everything when the mom says Ponte Vix or something like that.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right.
1: But it's crazy. I want to look into it and see what the um, ingredients are because it works for everything. I mean, it's...
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. I think it's also an interesting example of like, you know, he was talking about sleep apnea before and. Like how in Mexican culture, you know, because so many of us like are working class, you know, or just plain, like just plain broke. Like we don't, we can't afford a doctor, you know, we kind of, we can't, we don't have health insurance. Uh So it also shows how like we got to be resourceful and, you know, just find whatever is like at the Walgreens, you know, or like mm-hmm. at the tiendita at the corner.
1: And more than likely, you'll find this and not, you know, high end medicine. And you know, you, you learn to make do with what you have, and gra- gratefully, you know, vaporub cures a lot of things. So,
2: <laughs> yeah. So, section five uh, is the last section, and mm-hmm. it's also the last Mexican heaven right. that it opens with, right? What do you guys think about it as like the? This was my favorite Mexican, Mexican heaven, heaven out of all of them. Hmm.
1: Again, I thought it was funny, um, but it reminded me of. Um, that 70s show, how they always get together in the basement and they're smoking oh, weed. Yeah. And I mean, they're not Mexican, you know, but <laughs> um, it was just, I liked how it kind of explained what happens in a regular Mexican household. And I'm not saying all Mexican people smoke weed, but um, just in general, everything else, you know, like the kids are somewhere doing something and then mom is off to church or mom and dad, you know, are praying the rosary. Um, and then when it says, God threatens mm-hmm. to kick all the Mexicans out of heaven, sino con las pendejadas, I'm like, are there really no Mexicans in heaven? Because we're not going to stop with the pendejadas. <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> right. it's part of <laughs> <Right>. being Mexican.
2: <laughs> yeah, well said.
0: I thought it was interesting, uh, Vanessa, especially what did because you think it about ends it with saying that closer. the cycle repeats all over again. So nothing <laughs> really <laughs> changes. <laughs> um, and then I think Ale touched on the idea of how. Yeah. God is kind of as like being the religious Mexican mother in some ways of the idea of how going to church and like, I'm going to kick you out of the house, Mm -hmm. um, that whole aspect of it, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, The personage of God here, like you said, represented as like a strict religious devout Mexican mom or yeah. or father, or whatever, you know. Um, but I think mom, you know, makes more sense is um kinda seems like uh another, you know, another of those twists, you know, that Jose throws out there, you know, whether it's Jesus being like your cousin or, you know, there being no Mex- no white people in heaven, uh along those lines, you know, of, um it's just this kind of mm-hmm. like Mexican heaven is just full of surprises, you know. And kinda seems like a letdown <laughs> too, you know. But
3: surprise, surprise. <laughs> Um,
2: <laughs> but like you were saying, Ale, I, I do like the humor in it of like mm-hmm. how they're hiding from God. They you go know outside like they're drinking the yeah.
3: family gatherings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you and cousins go out for yeah. a walk. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. What other ones did you all have? Um,
1: I had the next two
2: that follows.
1: First, um, pumped to take the belt out of my dad's hands. Um, that one was just mm-hmm. made me think of how Mexican parents educate their kids. You know, they're always starting with the belt. Te voy a dar con el cinto, you know, if, if you don't listen. Yeah. I don't know. It made me think the way things are now and how we're raising children in, in modern days. I think of how I'm raising my daughter and, and how we're raising more needy, sensitive kids. And when I read this poem, I was like, maybe that's what I need. <laughs> <laughs> I need to take off my belt a little more and <laughs> 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 discipline.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, I thought of my dad, you know, how, I mean, my dad was never the kind to hit me a lot, but I was in a very bad child. But my brother, he was, oh God, he was a troublemaker. And I remember my dad, you know, like taking off his belt and being like, get us, get us, you know, I'm going to. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So we grew up being scared of the Cinto. And yeah. um, even if he didn't use it that much, we're like, oh, we don't want him to. Yeah, yeah I think I mentioned you're
3: in episode two. Because um, yeah, there's a, the and... poem Boy in the Belt, yeah. in section one, that uh, mm-hmm. talks about it. And yeah I, yeah, I remember my grandfather walking around. And, and like you said, the thread yeah. of it, you know, he never used it. But he would, he would snap it in this very, like, scary way. I'm like, nope. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to stop. I'm stopping right now. Look. <laughs>
1: Yeah, or they yeah. would like my dad would bang it against the wall and make it just snap and be like, "That's how your butt's gonna sound <laughs> no. if you don't, <laughs> if you don't listen." Yeah,
3: right. It's it's an interesting twist on it, you know. Yeah. Um, this this type of uh, child rearing where it's a little sad. I think he uh, he talks about in the end of the the, st- the stanza. He says he doesn't reach for the belt. The belt mm-hmm. is buried. He reaches for my for my head and rubs it soft. He says it's okay. I just think that's an interesting uh contrast to to the earlier poem boy in the belt.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, it is interesting in a way that in the other one the belt
2: yeah. was the we were getting the point of view from the belt, you know, the the belt was personified and now mm-hmm. the belt is on the ground and it has been disempowered uh and there's a kind of soft love, you know, tender moment that I think um there yeah, was another poem there. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. in a section about the, the you know telling the dad exactly. I love you, kind of. And then it also me made
1: me think that the belt is not so much uh, for punishment, but for, like education purposes. And it was this the, the way he ended it that made me think that because hmm. you know still under his hand, still crying, um, it just made me think like maybe his dad was just trying to educate him and teach him whatever it was he was trying to teach him. But that was the purpose of the belt. It wasn't to cause, you know, physical mm-hmm. pain or, or punishment, but mm-hmm. educate, to educate mm-hmm. his child.
2: What do you mean, like Like if, if the kid wouldn't yeah, listen, um, the belt would maybe come Maybe just in, or like or you said, the
1: threat was what was making uh, him listen to his dad mm-hmm. or, or do whatever he was supposed to do. Because it says um, at the top, I think it's the third line, it says, In this story, the belt acts alone. It is not his hands.
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: he's watching tv sports center or whatever and then it says that Mm -hmm. he would stop the belt if he could so i think of it as a parent and i'm like i would stop myself from punishing my daughter from putting her on timeout if i could but if i do that it's not going to teach her the lesson it's not gonna make her Mm -hmm. understand so it's Mm -hmm. it's something that has to happen in order Mm -hmm. for the lesson to be learned
2: yeah that's really interesting Ali. You know, the repetition of in this story kind of does emphasize that kind of um, the the way that the the belt is being used, like you said, right? Because we don't really get so much of the violence as we do in the other one, you know, except uh, where ironically it's the the kid, like I grabbed the belt and beat myself with it. Yeah. And you Um, said you also had the the next one. Mom
1: texts me for the millionth time. Um, Just that how he opens up the poem. The phone vibrates. My mom buzzes my desk. Her love reaches me wherever I am, which is usually unavailable. Um, again, that it spoke volumes to me. There's Right now, being quarantined, we have a little more time, and we get to call people and spend more time on, on the phone, not just texting. Um, but I remember in the chaos of everyday life, you know, school, work, my daughter, church, my husband, home, uh it's hard sometimes to receive that call and actually pick up the phone and and have a conversation. I'm grateful I still have my mother, but it's sometimes very hard to actually engage. Um and, and where and it said my mom home with my family minus me. I mean I'm I'm not living there anymore so I don't get to see my mother every day. I don't get to talk to her all the time, like I used to. Um, So it gave me a a sense of longing, I guess, uh, for the times, you know, for when I was younger and, and I got to spend all that time with my mom. I don't know. It just, it was just, it was a nice poem. And I, Mm. it really touched me. Mm.
2: Yeah. Um, What did you all think? Like, did you all relate to it too?
1: I did, but I don't anymore
0: because I'm, I do live with my mom. So I, see her all the time now so i'm with her every day um but usually when we're not in quarantine i'm always at school i go to work and then i'm i'm always like doing something so i'm rarely home but now i'm like i'm getting to spend this time with her and reconnect with the rest of my family as well so it's something that i related to but not so much at this moment
3: Yeah, I, I like this is like a nice little love poem about his yeah. mom. I I love I really love the way he transforms the imagery of of her sitting on the couch with the glow of the TV, and then again it, his twist of it into you know she makes so effortless it's impossible to tell the light comes from her own body, and I think that's a, a nice sweet little line there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Made me
1: want to call my mom.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think it's also the only one that is, um, you know, because there's a couple here like yeah. as old to her, the, mm. uh, his dad. My mom, yeah. But I think it's the only one sure. that's kind of an old to his mom. Um, um,
3: yeah. Yeah. I really love this. one. Did any of you have
2: mm-hmm. I love the world, so I married it.
3: I mean, I think it's another tribute. Like or, if this fifth section is I mean, yeah. kind of more focused on family and, and love. You know, this is a nice uh, remembrance of his his grandmother. And, and around the time she, it looks like she passes away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's always such a, I guess every family is different, but you know, the, the, you lose a grandparent, it can mean so much. I think this is also another poem that he likes to read in public again with great lines. I just, I love that, you know, I love the world. So I married mm-hmm. it. Um, <laughs> and it talks about like, kind of like the, the, the dullness or sadness of losing his grandmother because Ray says that there are mangoes, like mangoes, so I tasted nothing. Um, but then he, he comes to mm-hmm. enjoy, right? The speaker comes to enjoy the world of carne asada mm. and mm-hmm. uh, smoke. Up. And I this, I think this is just kind of reference to, I think in a lot of, when there's a lot of funerals, the family gets together afterwards to, to remember the deceased. And, you know, usually, yeah. you know, it becomes like a little bit of a party. People bring food or eat. And, you know, it's a, it's a nice way to remember. And so, it's just transformation, right? Where and he says he even f- maybe it felt offensive to smile, and there's uh, grandma buried and getting by the flowers. Interesting imagery there too. But
2: mm-hmm.
3: I think that there's this realization here of that everyone's going to die, right? He mentions that. Then my yeah. uncle died, and I knew forever included none of my family included no friends. Just just this uh, realness to it. <laughs> It's an interesting take, right? But it, then he takes it as an opportunity to reflect on the things he really does enjoy in the world, right? And he goes off and makes this, this great list, right? Of, of wings, <laughs> of the honey of a slow kiss, uh, music playlists. And uh, again, my favorite part, just like in the previous poem, this really beautiful line for his mom. He has this other line where he remembers um, he hate, you know, he hates when people call him lopito, except the way his, his, his mother, I mean, his grandmother would, would say it. Um, so mm-hmm. I just thought it was a very moving poem. Um,
0: yeah. Well, I think, well, when, the way I think of it is the and idea said, of what marriage you think in this of it? one is like the idea of living. And then towards the end of the poem, he says, I know I will divorce the world and let it keep my most treasured possession. And I think that by saying that, he means like, I'm no longer going to be here either it's this idea of dying as well
2: mm. and therefore keeping the, the little things, right. Cause I mean, these are things that we normally, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, um, um, uh, everyday things, you know, and, uh, and I like the internal rhyme there of like a slow kiss music playlist. Um, and how the last line mm, is, yeah. um, uh, uh you know on an island unlike all the other ones and kind of representing you know the the exception of like how her grandmother w- was special you know that only she could be the one to say lupito and, yeah, and so affectionate it's it's mm-hmm. so separate from the world that he's in love with in a way
1: valuable to him
2: yeah
1: i do
0: um, so did so this you have, is uh, the next love one Love Poem featuring Kanye West. Um, and so we touched on this a little bit in the previous episodes, especially the album College Dropout, which is specifically named in this. I think
3: mm-hmm.
0: but it's really nice how he uses these allusions to Kanye throughout because it's like Chicago and it's his hometown. And this album was kind of like a big part of his life. I also like mm-hmm. that it's dedicated to somebody. Yeah,
2: yeah. there's a couple, um, but I was thinking about that too, and maybe Erika mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, no, but I mean, this one does mention the grandmother dying again. But in terms of the Kanye allusion, like, what do you think um, is significant about that particular record? And
0: um, it also mentions like slow up special
2: and slow jams. I don't know if those are like songs in the record or. Um,
0: hmm trying to think of how to describe it. (laughs) Um well slow jams is kind of the song where they're talking about well in the clubs they always fast songs and we have to kind of slow it down. Um so that it's more I guess romantic, Hmm. I guess is the way to put it.
3: Well, you know, when you think of slow jams, you think of like the slow dances, the 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 smooth Mm -hmm. R and B like romantic. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he talks about love language and that's such a uh, a thing, you know, who speaks your love language. And so a lot of hip hop uses samples. And so he that, references that here as well, right? It's a, you know, a sample from a soul song and it's it's sped up here in the song. Um, but this is, I think, uh, an interesting twist because, you know, it starts off not so great. Uh, you were late to our, to our date. And I like mm-hmm. the humor of the waiter is about to offer the stood up special. Uh, I'm sorry. Maybe next time here, have this drink. It's on the house. But uh, instead of ending (laughs) in that, in that negative way, right. She shows up and, and they connect through, through this music. And it reminds Mm -hmm. me a lot of, of, uh, I'm not your perfect Mexican daughter. Right. When, when you see that, that connection as well, how two people could connect through, through music, through similar interests. Or even,
0: Uh, even the Poet X.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, And so, um my favorite part about this is just just the aspect of um, yeah the, the very human element of when he needed it a lot like when his grandmother died again that's uh that's such a or i guess when any anyone dies close to you right it's very hard to deal with mm-hmm. and so any friend that's there for you means a lot and so that's kind of what he says here right i don't know how love works but i remember the day um and he's just saying like you i remember when you when i called you answered so I think mm-hmm. that's a pretty, pretty nice aspect of uh, maybe this didn't work out as a love, love, but, you know, that's still a very meaningful aspect that, that the speaker remembers about this person.
1: I think um, for me, the focus on uh, of this poem was that uh, not so much the featuring Kanye West, because I'm not too familiar with him. i um not too familiar with his music and his story. Um but the part I focused on was the fact that it's a love poem and it's for Erica. Um, when it says, I don't know how love works, but I remember the day I called, you answered. And he even says, I don't know what we talked about on the phone. I don't remember what you said. I don't remember if it helped, you know, how I was feeling that my grandma died. I just remember you answered. Um, and, and it made me think like just the fact mm-hmm. that she was there and and the same could be true for all of us you know when somebody shows up when somebody's there in a moment of need um that's what matters not so much maybe the words that you they tell you or that you tell them but yeah. the fact that you're present
2: yeah that's very well said um uh, you know um uh, the, the, the 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 um I mean, not like it's just the idea that like it you know it didn't work out for whatever reason, you know, um but that even so like there's still the courtesy of like answering and uh instead yeah. of so just kind of totally um
3: no, that made me think of stuck know, in love you
2: like blocking you or whatever you when, know uh, when his mother yeah. dies right, and and
3: she's she's there for him, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Uh, and I was just thinking, Ali, what you said about this being a love poem also, that this section, I think, is all about love, you know, um, love for a, a significant other, a, a parent, yourself, <laughs> um, food, yeah. Uh, did any of you have mm-hmm. um, well, I just any have the other last ones one. from this one? I just had the mm-hmm. hentification. Yeah, go for it. Uh, and, cool. Well, um, you know, gentrification on 64 is um a kind of plea on words of gentrification. And uh I believe I've mentioned several times already that um mm-hmm. you know I really like that show on Netflix called Hentified. And it reminded me a lot about it, of, of it. You know, if, if you listeners out there haven't seen it, I really do recommend checking it out. It's an interesting show about cultura and and it's set in L.A. where there is there is a lot of gentrification. And actually, a lot of the episodes are about that conflict of selling out. And so I like how this poem, you know, is, is also set there or it references L.A. at least. And um, there's, um, you know, the referencing to the gentrification, like property value going down. You know, white people take kale with them, like the white flight mm-hmm. that we had talked about. But then there's a kind of a bartering that happens in the second half where it says uh, we trade tortillas for haircuts, nopales for health care, poems for groceries. And if all you can do is eat the food, we ask that you wash the, the, your dishes. We get more desert and from the desert we get low riders, cars bounce. Uh, and it goes on, you know, the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo rescinded. Um, you know and so obviously there there's a lot of like um um the the things that are important to Mexican culture that they might not get because or that they're willing to give up you know because they do need that healthcare they do need you know food on the table and um they do need to be comfortable you know like there's an i the reference to low riders i kind of see as you know um the 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 gangs right that is referenced here about cousins and uh still like the abuelitas you know give him the the bendición right and uh so it's kind of an interesting uh poem of like um the trade-offs and the the way that you manage to balance things and still keep true to your uh to your cultura and um Despite the fact that, you know, uh, things might get more expensive, that you're broke. And, you know, there's a lot there that comes with because of the gentrification. Um, and so it, it it begins with, you know, planting that grain of sand, which is about, you know, being of the earth, being humble. Mm-hmm. And um, and it ends mm-hmm. with the grains of sand when the migra comes, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So... Uh, I also like that it
0: it mentions the bad news, but immediately after it's followed by the good news, and the bad news is always like little short portions, and then the good news is a lot longer of a portion. Mm. Um, And I like the lines. um, It says, "Rejoice in the good news," and then later on, yeah, at the bottom of page sixty four, it says the whole block is alive, and I think it's that importance of keeping our culture is alive and giving back to our own communities.
2: Exactly. You know, alive and not for sale, you know, and um, kind of is a good way of representing how people fight back against gentrification against like, you know, the, the hijacking of and co-opting of, mm-hmm. you know, what it starts off with, you know, mm-hmm. the juicers in the barrio, you know, which is like very mm-hmm. dissonant of an image. Ali and Um, Richie, did you all have uh, thoughts on this one too?
1: I liked how he uses things we're familiar with. You know, like from the tortillas, we get more dessert. From the dessert, we get lowriders. It's things we know. It's things we grew up with. I remember seeing lowriders drive down the street growing up. And I mean, tortillas, we... Eat them every day um, it's just um very relatable, I, I guess I should say it's I just like how it, it's also at the towards the end of of the entire book yeah because it kind of wraps up the book by putting mm-hmm. it all together.
3: Yeah, I mean, I like yeah. this. Um, this one kind of gels with the more politically politically charged poems in, in the collection. Um, and you, you guys hit up on a, a lot of the, I think, salient po- points that I think are already worth talking about. Um, so just to kind of add to that, I really like the, I guess, kind of the the mixing of cultures he's mentioning earlier on, like um, you know. The good news is my boy, Nate, is teaching poetry workshops in the shade. Gwendolyn Brooks smelled at the malice and came down the right. Um, then, of course, when it changes um, this idea of, of, again, being labeled, and it kind of goes back to sis, the whole systemic kind of inequalities happening, where economic value, in our, talking about economists say there is zero economic value in our block. The good news is we threw away the economics textbooks. And that's where they go into the barter system. So, again, it's kind of, like, like you said, um, managing to, to stay alive, right, and not for sale, kind of not losing that spirit despite all that, you know, the National Guard coming in, La Migra coming in. And uh, in a way, I don't know, I really like this last line of, you know, their dogs bark and spit, but all, all they find all they find is grains of sand. I think that's a, an interesting way to end it. Um, is that we're we're resilient, and we're maybe even referencing migration, right? We we need move if we have to, um, but that's just kind of forced by everything else.
2: Yeah, I, I think um, you really made a good point about how it kind of does connect a lot of the other poems and brings a lot of cultures together. You know, because it does mention Salvadorians. And, um, you know, Gwendolyn Brooks, like you said. Uh, Nate Marshall is, I presume, who is the reference here, uh, who's an African American poet. Um, yeah. Well, the, you know, the last one here, yeah. Waffle, is. Um, uh, something I really love that, that this is the uh, last. Venice, I think you said you wanted the to talk
0: about, right? Um, because it is focused on this idea of self love. And that isn't something that we really see throughout the collection. So I think it's a really nice way to end it. This mm.
2: idea
0: of copying himself mm. and complimenting himself in the mirror, I think, is really a nice
2: touch. And sorry, which, which line is that? I, he it.
0: I might have just assumed he's looking in the mirror. Because he's looking at himself. I think it does mm. aid somewhere.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, just the opening line, right? You know. Um, I heard like there's a lot of looking, so yeah. Um, what do you, and Vanessa, what I do think you mean? That he's calling portions. himself these
0: names, that these are who he hi- identifies himself as, and he gives different names, yeah.
2: And he finishes w- with, well, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, w- no, yeah, I was just like, he finishes with. Like uh, adopting Wapo as like his only name, um, and it's kind of interesting how you identify this as self love, and how it seems like you know, given the other poems, because it's the only one, and it closes with it is like the importance of it, like you mentioned, and how um, the the, uh, the the speaker here does does struggle with like self image and. You know whether it's someone saying like they're either too fat or too skinny. You know I think he's talked about that, and um, so it's kind of important, right, in terms of like your self esteem, your motivation mm-hmm. to just you know
1: and appreciating
0: no every part of it. who like, you are. You might
2: as well, right? Um, so
1: not just the self love, but appreciating the little things too. Uh, like in it's like in the middle when it says "I shoddy <laughs> what it is. Mm-hmm. I say to my freckled chest, to the red bumps I used to hide under the T-shirts, ugly as hell, but all mine. You know, that's, he's even appreciating the things he doesn't like about himself. And he's um, owning them. He's owning them and he's acknowledging the fact that every little detail makes him Mm -hmm. be who he is.
0: Like even right before that, he mentions a scar that he has. So not only is he talking about exactly. his feet and his legs, he talks about his scars. He talks about his freckles. He talks about his hair. Like he separates each part of himself and talks about it and compliments himself.
1: And and then he acknowledges where he got things from. Like his hairline, yeah. he got it from his dad. His face, he got it from his mom. He's um giving credit to where he came from.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think from a, from a male perspective is it's interesting too, you know, cause normally like mm-hmm. self image. And I think you, Richie had mentioned there's an allusion to a narcissist in another poem Um, is we normally don't expect that from men, you know, unless like they're, you know, like metrosexual like, I mean, I don't want to stereotype, but I think in general, you know, us who identify as as guys, like we don't necessarily focus too much on our self image, and so I think it kind of breaks that gender gender role and gender um, ar- archetype, uh, I should say. Of um, you know, you don't really care about what, the way that you look, but here it's, it is about well, you do gotta love yourself, you know, you do gotta take care of your body and love your body, you know, before you love someone else. And I think it's, it's interesting in terms of that. And it kind of does break the mold.
1: And even if guys do love themselves, I think sometimes it's hard for men, um, especially to express how they feel, how about themselves, you know, because then they, they don't want to get labeled or. Mm. Um, for a girl, I think it's easier, you know, to say, "Oh, I look cute in this dress." I I like how my makeup came out. But for a man, if he says a comment like that, it's a little more like, "Okay, you're a dude," you know, like don't. It, it comes don't make off comments more as like va- that.
0: being vain than just being able to compliment themselves. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Again, you know, I I agree with Vanessa. I'm glad that this is Richie, kind of Did you have any thoughts on this with one? A little bit of self love in a book that covers so much, and in this section in particular, right, talks about the different kinds of love. Here you have a uh, you know a moment for him to stop and appreciate himself. Right, you got to kind of give yourself that self love from time to time. You know, because um, you're worth it. You know, even even through the imperfections, like you were saying, Ale. Cause uh, I, I those those stood out to me as well, um, you know. And I like that he starts at his feet, right? Uh, <laughs> I hardly I hardly ever look at them, and and so you know it's just it's kind of cool how he hello left foot, hello right foot, <laughs> and he names them his favorite name, uh, guapos. <laughs> so it's it's kind of you know more of that that humor that, that lightheartedness, but you know I, I agree with you a lot too, Jorge. That you know it does kind of turned on its head it's not not a typical thing like from my own experience you know when I got into poetry in, in high school oh my god the 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 flack I got I mean I I, I inhibited a, several different worlds in high school too you know I I was part of the literary uh magazine there at, at my high school but I also played sports you know I was I was in baseball and and uh sometimes you know, especially in high school, there's a lot of immaturity, right? We're very culturally small minded, but oh my god, the fact that I, I you know was into poetry and writing it and, and reading it, I I got some some pretty pretty dumb <laughs> commentary from that from, from the guys. And so it's nice to be able to see this here in this poem and just yeah, some self love. Go go practice some self love, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, and I think that's you know that's a good way of uh, wrapping up this whole collection. You know, it's been four episodes now, and um, Ale, we, you know, we wanted to thank, thank you, you again for uh, joining us. Um, yeah, of
1: course, thank you so much for inviting know, me. I really time out of
2: your day to enjoyed do
1: this. it. I loved. I've never done a podcast before, so it's a good experience. I really, awesome. really yeah. liked
2: it. Cool. Well,
1: perfect. Yeah, sounds
2: good. You know, um, we'll have this one out soon, so we'll I'll send you the link um cool awesome well yeah um uh um if If you want to just um you know because i know you, you got things to do yeah. you got abby there and manny uh send my regards to them and uh
1: oh, soon hopefully should, you know get together
2: once all this i'm going crazy <laughs> whenever it does
1: but yeah well <laughs> yeah, <I will>. yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you yeah, so much for are, having me and
2: thank okay. you have me
1: to do this. Um, thank, thank you, you enjoyed it. Thank you guys so Bye. much. All right, bye-bye. Yeah. You too. Yeah. Stay safe.
2: Bye. Take care. Cool, cool, cool.
0: Thanks for joining us on this week's episode discussing Citizen Illegal by Jose Olivares, And if you haven't read it, we hope we inspire you to pick up a copy. Literally Literary is brought to you by the Mellon Foundation through the Humanities Collaborative at EPCC and UTEP. Follow us on Instagram at literallyliterary.ep and on Twitter at literallylitep. And happy National Poetry
2: Month.